fall right into the six o'clock regular meeting of the city council. So um, are we able to begin, Mr. Clerk? Are we broadcasting? Okay. Um, good evening. Thank you for waiting patiently. I'd now like to call to order the regular meeting of the Berkeley City Council for Tuesday, October 10th, 2023. And the first item on our agenda is roll call. And I'd like to ask the city clerk to please call the roll. Okay. Uh, Council Member Kesterwani. Here. Kaplan. Present. Bartlett. Here. Harrison. Here. On. Present. Glengraff. Present. Robinson. Yes. Humbert. Present. Present. And Mayor Eric. Present. All members are present. Thank you very much. Want to call attention to our land acknowledgement statement um, on our published agenda. We are on the ancestral and unceded land of the Chichenyo speaking Ohlone people. Um, we'll now proceed to ceremonial matters. And um, uh, our first order of business tonight on our ceremonial calendar um, is uh, presenting a proclamation and adjourning our meeting this evening in memory of Lloyd A. Edwards II. Um, who many of us had the pleasure of knowing um, as a uh, uh, East Bay leader um, and who started the Lou Edwards um, group, which is um, a public affairs and uh, political consulting firm in the East Bay. And we're joined tonight by um, Catherine Lou. Thank you for joining us tonight. I understand we're also joined by um, Lloyd's brother, John Martin. Thank you for joining us, sir, um, and I, other fr friends of Lloyd as well. We're very saddened to hear of his passing, and I think many of us um, knew him in the context of the work he did at Lloyd Edwards, but he had a long and a, an accomplished career, um, not just in Oakland, but in Berkeley, and was a Berkeley native, and we want to take this opportunity to recognize him, celebrate his life, um, and to extend our deepest condolences to Catherine and all of his family. So thank you for joining us this evening, and uh, Council Vice Mayor Bartlett will um, present a proclamation on behalf of the city of Berkeley. Honoring Lloyd A. Edwards II. Whereas Berkeley native Lloyd A. Edwards II, a 1957 Berkeley High School graduate, civic leader and entrepreneur, broke racial barriers as someone of mixed Black and Native American ancestry. And whereas Lloyd began his media career as a Bay Area broadcaster, writer, and producer at Golden West Network and broke the color barrier at KSFO, covering local politics, the state legislature, and local affairs. And whereas in 1971, Lloyd founded First Enterprise, the first Northern California Black-owned bank, and also served as one of the first Black members of the California Bankers Association Board. And whereas he was the first African-American to serve on the Oakland Alameda County Coliseum Board, opening front row video on Solano Avenue, building the Promenade Building on University Avenue, and serving on the boards of KQED Television, KQED FM Radio, and Styles Hall. And whereas, in 1997, Lloyd co-founded the Lou Edwards Group with Catherine Lou, a nationally recognized firm raising over $42 billion for California schools and communities, while electing more than 100 candidates. It is only fitting that we recognize the son of Berkeley. Now therefore be it resolved that the Mayor Jesse Aragin, Mayor Berkeley, does hereby honor and remembrance Lloyd Edwards II. Thank
Good evening, Mayor Aragine, Vice Mayor Bartlett, and the entire Berkeley City Council. My name is Catherine Liu, and I wish to thank the Mayor, Vice Mayor, and Council for their kind recognition of my husband tonight. Lloyd was the second child of Eula Lee Peachy, an educator and homemaker. And his father was born in Wyoming of Seminole and Blackfoot Nation ancestry. Their families were part of the Great Migration from the South, and their extended family settled right here in Berkeley. He was born here. He was so proud to carry Berkeley in his heart. But he grew up during a time that there was still a color line on what was known as Grove Street, now Martin Luther King Jr. Way. And he regaled all of us with stories of driving into the El Cerrito and Albany Hills and looking out over the East Bay and saying, I will break that color line. And as the son of Berkeley, he did. He grew up on Door Street, surrounded by loving family. When Blacks, Asians, Latinx people, and whites lived side by side as neighbors looking after neighbors, that Berkeley generosity. I know that he was forever affected by the forced they politely call it relocation. Some of us call it something else of Japanese Americans to the to the concentration camps. His father is part of the activist network that included C.L. Dellums, labor leader, and Berkeley NAACP leader. Former Berkeley City Council member Maudel Sherrick worked at the employment office and was an early counselor to Lloyd saying, stay, stay on the straight and narrow, work hard, get a good job, and be successful. It was a time of vibrant art, culture, and musical renaissance in the Black community. And Reed's Records, run by the family of Betty Reed Soskin, was his favorite hangout. In closing, I will simply say that Lloyd would have been so honored, and I'm sure that he is honored, over this remembrance and to say that I know in discussions that we had as recently as two weeks before his passing, that was his great hope that the glass ceiling, which some of us consider scratched but not shattered, continue to be shattered by the good leaders and people of places like Berkeley. Thank you so very much for honoring the son of Berkeley. Well, thank you so much, Catherine, for joining us this evening and um, for Mr. Edwards. I see we have Rena Rickles here also um, and other friends of, of Lloyd who are on Zoom tonight. Um, we're very saddened to hear his passing. Uh, I think we're all better because of his contributions to our Bay Area community. And please accept our deepest condolences. And um, by unanimous consent, we'll adjourn our Berkeley City Council meeting tonight in his honor. Thank you. Uh, I do not have, I believe, um, any other ceremonial matters for this evening. Um, that is correct. So with that, we can proceed to the next order of business, which is city manager comments. And Madam City Manager, do you have any comments for the Council of Public this evening? Yes, thank you, Mr. Mayor. I would like to report out on our homeless response team. I have the city clerk pull up the presentation for us. 
So today is our presentation data and progress report on our progress for our homeless response team and outreach. Um, thank you all for taking the time to hear this quarterly initiative update on the work performed by the team since it launched. Um, just a reminder, our homeless response team is the interdepartmental unit led by Neighborhood Services City within my office, Peter Radu, and that team responds to homeless encampments and unsheltered homelessness across the city. Next slide. The homeless response team measuring how we measure our impacts. We're holding ourselves to three outcomes that we want to achieve. One is that residents are sheltered. Two is that dangerous encampments are not inevitable in our city, even if people living in encampments are not interested in shelter resources that we have at our disposal. There are certain health and safety threats um, that must be mitigated, both for the health of the encampment residents themselves, as well as the greater community. Finally, our third outcome is that our city is clean. Even if an encampment does not need to be resolved, people living unsheltered often have no place to throw away trash. We also know that homeless encampments can become magnets for illegal dumping. Our goal is to remove as much debris to keep our streets safe as possible. Next slide. The first outcome of interest is that our residents are sheltered. Because we're now beginning to track client-led level information, we can also look at demographic information on the client serve. This slide provides a breakdown of the racial and ethnic demographics of those residing at Harrison Street, one of the most entrenched encampments in Berkeley. As you can see, African-Americans make up 39%. That's the largest portion. And then 29% um, is whites. Okay. Next slide. Number two. This slide provides an overview of the gender and age distribution of these encampment residents. Next slide. Housing and crisis assessments, they're used to determine who's the most vulnerable in our community. And this allows us to triage our resources to the households that are in the most need. A person surveyed at this encampment 47% had a developmental health condition, 55% had a physical health condition, 75% had a substance use condition, 82% mental health condition, 76% had a chronic health condition, and 0% had um, HIV AIDS. So as you can see, um, there are a lot of client health conditions as we're working with our unhoused community. Next slide, please. Since September of 2021, 576 clients have been offered shelter beds from the homeless response team, and 253 clients have accepted a shelter referral, giving us an acceptance rate of around 44%. It should be noted, however, that when we had targeted interventions with non-congregate shelter, such as the Railway Inn or the Winter Relief Shelter, vouchers, these coupled with an impending closure, we saw our shelter acceptance rate jump up to 84%. This is a successful model to continue as we, as we build out. Next slide, please. Here is a breakdown of those shelter offers and acceptances by district. 
Um, the large number of shelter offers in D1 is due to our focus on the Harrison Street encampment over the last couple of months, in which 22 of 75 residents were successfully moved inside. Okay, next slide, please. Our second outcome we track to measure the homeless response team's success is that dangerous encampments are not inevitable in our city. The team is regularly on the streets providing notices for violation of sidewalk, street, median, and park rules. And whenever there's a planned operation to do a deep cleaning, closure, or when a person's unattended belongings have been stored. The purpose of these notices is to give our encampment residents the opportunity to voluntarily comply with our sidewalk and park rules. So far, we can report on 1,151 tents and structures that have been given a notice of some kind. 26% of the notices given are initial notices, a notice of the rule that they're violating, and an opportunity to voluntarily come into compliance. 74% are action notices, meaning that they let people know about an impending intervention, the deep cleaning and or closure notices, or that their belongings have been stored. Next slide. Since September of 2021, the homeless response team conducted 52 encampment closures across the city, as indicated by the blue tents on the map. 34 deep cleaning operations, as indicated by the yellow symbols, and 11 RV closures, as indicated with the green car symbol. Next slide. Looking at these interventions across council districts, it's important to note that the vast majority of our efforts, closures, and cleanings have been centered in West and South Berkeley, reflecting the team's commitment to serving those areas of the city that are historically socioeconomically disadvantaged and those more likely to experience street homelessness. Next slide. Our third outcome of interest is ensuring that our city is clean. Since long before the city resumed enforcement of sidewalk and parks rules in August of 2021, our neighborhood services, and the Clean City team from Public Works have collaborated to regularly visit encampment sites, usually twice a week, to remove debris. And since we started tracking the amount of debris removed in January of 2021, the team has removed over 959,800 total pounds of trash and debris from our streets. As a point of reference, the Statue of Liberty weighs 450,000 pounds. We have removed over double that since the second half of 2021. The drop in tonnage over the months reflects the great work that the team has done to clean up our streets. Overall, these are simply fewer problematic street encampments that need regular garbage service. Next slide. Thus far, our city, this far, we've, let's see, we've recorded about 34 instances in which valuables were stored pursuant to our administrative regulation 10.1. This number does seem low. It is because of the team, per the regulations, will not store anything that is hazardous, soiled, wet, tattered, torn. Much of what we counter, encounter cannot be stored. 
that concludes, I believe, the presentation. Um, thank you. If you have questions, Peter Radu, Assistant to the City Manager, and Josh Jacobs, our Homeless Services Coordinator, I want to thank them for gathering the documents and putting together this presentation for this evening. Thank you, Mayor. Council. Okay, thank you very much for that update. Um, any questions, if we can direct them to the City Manager um, offline. Um, and uh, if we can also maybe receive a copy of the presentation, I'm sure our residents would be very interested in hearing about the work that's been done. Um, thank you very much. Okay, so we'll now proceed to public comment on non-agenda matters. I've informed that we've received a number of cards for in-person speakers. And so um, I'm going to ask unanimous consent of the council that we uh, change our procedure for this initial public comment period to only take in-person speakers as we have at least 10 individuals who'd like to speak um, to the council tonight. And the clerk has selected those cards. But before we do that, I'd like to once again read the statement about our rules of decorum that I that I read at the beginning of our last city council meeting. Um, as the mayor, I'm the presiding officer of all meetings of the city council, and it's my responsibility, according to our adopted city council rules of procedure and order, to preserve strict order and decorum at all regular and special meetings of the city council. As presiding officer, I have the affirmative duty by enforcing the council's adopted rules and the procedural regulations of the state Brown Act. Our rules of procedure outline our rules of the corn for members of the public. And they are, no person shall disrupt the orderly conduct of the council meeting. Prohibited disruptive behavior includes, but is not limited to, shouting, making disruptive noises, creating or participating in a physical disturbance, speaking out of turn or in violation of applicable rules, preventing or attempting to prevent others who have the floor from speaking, preventing others from observing the meeting, entering into or remaining in an area of the meeting room that's not open to the public, or approaching the council dais without consent. Recently, members of the public participating in our meetings remotely through the Zoom platform have used public comment as an opportunity to make hateful, racist, and anti-Semitic comments and address topics that are not the subject of or even germane to the agenda item. This constitutes disruptive behavior under the council's rules and has the effect of preventing the orderly conduct of the council meeting as provided for in the state Brown Act. It is my official duty under the city charter and our adopted rules to facilitate our meetings and enforce our rules of decorum. Therefore, any behavior specifically defined in our rules as, quote, disruptive or which has the effect of disrupting or preventing the council from conducting its official business and the meeting to proceed in an orderly manner will not be tolerated. Pursuant to the Brown Act and the rules of procedure, I will issue a warning to the offending participant that their speech or actions are in violation of our rules and call them to order. If after a warning is issued, a continued violation occurs, I will order the removal of any disruptive participants for the meeting, whether they are participating in person or virtually. Our city strongly denounces hate speech and does not tolerate disruptive behavior in our public meetings. We pride ourselves in our rich diversity of our residents. We are committed to creating a culture of belonging where members of our community feel included, safe, and respected. We ask for members of the public to refrain from making disrespectful and hateful comments. So with that, um, we'll proceed now to public comment on non-agenda matters. If the clerk can please read the 10 names. Let me just uh, read all the 10 or just start with Why don't we do, do five each? Okay. Yeah. So first five are Conrad, Michael Orr. Naya Rose. Okay. 
Lev Marcus, and Jesse Sheehan. Those are the first five. Okay, thank you. Um, any of those individuals would like to come forward, start public comment in no particular order? Thank you. Just come forward if, if you're ready. Yeah, whoever would like to start, if you can please approach the podium. Once again, Conrad, Michael Orr, Naya Rose, Lev Marcus, and Jesse Sheehan. Yes, thank you. Hi, I'm taking the place of Conrad, if that's okay. I don't know the... Did they yield their yeah, time to you? Conrad. Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah. My name is Amy Jo Craft. I've been a resident uh, here in Berkeley for 12 and a half years now, this time. It's probably my third time back in the city. Um, and I live close to downtown, uh, close to the high school. Um, and I have been, I'm 62, coming up on 63. And I stopped by the chess club the first time probably three years ago. I was on Telegraph running errands, and, and it was a beautiful summer day, and, and there were lots of people playing, and I popped over. I ended up spending four and a half hours meeting three or four of my neighbors. I had such a good time. It's a really wonderful community meeting space. I've since not been there. I thought, oh, I'm going to come do this every weekend. I, I've only been back a few times since then because I'm not a chess player. But um, when I did go that first time, Jesse actually said, uh, do you want to play a game? And I was like, you know, I haven't since I was 10. But he's like, that's okay. I'll, I'll remind you. I'll teach you. You don't forget. I ended up beating him quickly, too. It was great. Um, I just, I really think I saw one of the city council members, Sophia Hahn, I think it might have been you, um, uh, saying that that uh, there ought to be a way to find a solution, a parklet, something. I, I think it's horrific that the business owner that is happy to give the chess club space is receiving fines that have now increased to $45,000. Ma'am, if you can please wrap up your comments, I would okay. appreciate it. Um, I think that's it. I just, you know, let's let's find a solution that works for everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, okay, the other names called. I'll, I'll just note for the record, it was the property owner who initiated this, um, trying to shut it down and took the took the chess boards, but I'll state that for the record. Um, Michael Orr, Naya Rose, Lev Marcus, and Jesse Sheehan. Uh, okay, thank you. Oh, he's going to go. I have uh, two minutes seated to me, one from Naya and one from Jesse. Um, my name is Jonah Gottlieb. Uh, I'm a Berkeley student as well as a uh, member of the chess club. I live a couple blocks away uh, and I'm there basically every day. Um, I have played chess with former A's players, with fellow students, with uh, math professors, uh, with unhoused folks who live right next to me in my neighborhood. And it's really the last place on Southside where students like me are able to interact with longtime Berkeley residents without having to pay first, um, which is obviously a huge socioeconomic issue as it's, you know, being shut down. Um, it also doesn't uh, shock me that it is one of the last places on Southside uh, where you can regularly see uh, predominantly black members of our community spending time. Um, and so I wouldn't be remiss to say that these attacks feel racist as well. Um, I appreciate uh, the council has tried to make efforts to 
uh, help us out. And But I want to just reiterate that we want to stay exactly where we are at the corner of Telegraph and Haste. Um, so I would just like to remind the council um, that we want to stay both on the sidewalks with our ter- chairs and tables, as well as on the vacant property that is full of life uh, of, from both students and longtime Berkeley residents alike. Uh, we urge you to please drop the fines uh, related to the chess club against the business owners because we were, didn't receive any harassment from any uh, business owner uh or from the owner of the lot until he began being fined by the city. Uh, We know that the city has before used discretion with code enforcement. And so we urge you to use that again now uh, to protect this vital community space and to please uh, instruct the city manager's office and BPD to allow our club to remain and find a legal solution that allows us to be there for the long term. this club really makes me feel a part of Berkeley um, in a way that I feel doesn't happen for most students because I feel we're really isolated from the community. And we come in for four years, we talk to people our own age, and we leave. And that shouldn't be how a public university works. And so I'm really grateful to all the folks who have put in so much effort running the club. Um, and I look forward to playing chess with them tonight and tomorrow as well. Thank you all. Thank you so much. Uh, oh, the I think the remaining cards, uh, Michael Orr, right, and Lev Marcus. Yeah. Hello, my name is Lev. Um, first off, I'd like to reiterate uh, Jenna's Jenna's last points that we would like to remain on the corner at Dwight and Telegraph. That's where we plan to remain. Um, and that we would urge the city to get rid of the fines on the property owner. Um, Last week when we came, some people were chanting that chess saves lives, and I just wanted to give a a brief example of how that can happen. So a a couple of years ago, I was playing at the chess club, um, and there was a man standing behind me, uh, and that man fainted, had a, a, I believe he had a stroke, um, fell against me, uh, fell onto the ground and ultimately became paralyzed after that. And the reason he survived is because there's somebody sitting down at a chess table next to him. If he had had a place to sit down, he wouldn't have fallen that day. He would have collapsed in his seat and he would have remained unparalyzed because he fell down into his head because he had nowhere to sit. Um, he still can't walk to this day. So we need a place to sit down. Um, this really shouldn't be negotiable. We need a place on Telegraph where people can sit down in chairs um, and congregate to, you know, for the common good. Um, so I think that when we say the chess saves lives, what we mean is that public spaces where people can congregate out of their own homes can be in, in community and can have a place uh, to congregate. That that saves lives, and any public health professional will tell you that. Um, so the fact that there's no public seating on Southside is is a travesty. So thank you. Uh, I think Michael Orr, right? Okay. And did he have a card too? No? Okay.
Hello again. Uh, my name is Gerard Lynn Markham Jr. I'm a representative of our chess club. I share a lot of identities with the members of our chess community. Um, it just so happens that chess players like a good fight. So we play enterprising openings, complex middle games, and we live for the end game. Last week when we were here, I think you guys were surprised uh, with our opening phase of this mo of this uh, movement. And today, I just kind of want to reiterate why we're here. First, um, we need our equipment back. Um, I'm, I was made aware that Sergeant Rafferty knows exactly where our equipment is. Um, uh, based on what I'm hearing through back channels, I think because of some of the legal ramifications, um, I, I'm hoping that uh, Sergeant Rafferty is a little bit more willing to help assist us with getting the material back in the same way that the city assisted um, the company like with its removal. Um, second, uh, I think the fines levied against Ken ought to be dropped immediately. Ken is not a part of our chess club. Um, you guys are persecuting someone that has zero ties to, to, to chess on Telegraph, with the exception that he allows our club to remain on his property. Um, quite honestly, you guys, I think Ken should get a pat on the back for being like the most successful Monopoly player on Telegraph Avenue. Um, without Ken, I don't think there'd be anything worthwhile on Telegraph, uh, and that includes our chess community. Um, and just third, um, we want to be able to sit down at a negotiating a, a negotiating table to propose a change to the city ordinances um, for them to allow tables and chairs. Um, quite frankly, I think city ordinances should be molded and shaped by people that ordinarily walk the city, and we want to see you guys out walking the city more order you know more ordinarily, um, and we want chess to be woven into the lifeblood of our entire city, because at the end of the day, it's not just about chess. And you can hear these people as they come up and speak about it. Um, it's about our freedom of assembly, um, demanding real representation within our government and integrating the constituents of the city in a very intimate way. So I'm looking forward to working with members of this council to move forward with a solution that allows us to remain where we are. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, uh, Mr. Clerk, if you can read the next five okay. cards. Uh, well, um, there's four more cards because uh, Jonah Gottlieb did have a card also. So there's four more speakers, Bryce Miller, uh, Lindsay Damashek, Carol Morosevic, and Ede. So Bryce Miller, Lindsay Damashek, Carol Morosevic, and Ede. Thank you. Good evening, Council. Uh, my name is Bryce Miller. I'm a student at UC Berkeley. Um, Telegraph is such a unique place. Um, it serves every community in Berkeley, so many communities. Um, it really should be a destination. And it's a shame that the city is so adamant about shutting down community spaces. Left and right, there's parks, benches, and now the chess club that are being taken away. And this is really all being motivated by the police state that is the United States. Police have shown people of color and unhoused folks nothing but br brutality and violence, and removing the chess club is just another example of this. Through whatever bureaucratic gymnastics went on to remove the chess club, the fact that it is gone is violent. 
Um, Telegraph, again, is not just a bustling corridor of moving traffic. It is a destination, and it should remain that way, and the chess club is vital to that. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Council. My name is Lindsay Damashak. I'm also a student at UC Berkeley. I'm also president of Telegraph for People. Um, I've lived in Berkeley for three years. I live in District 7, um, and I'm here to advocate as well for the chess club. Um, I just want to thank everybody for what they're saying and just reiterate what they're saying, um, especially what Bryce is saying. T Telegraph Avenue is a destination. It's not a bustling corridor. This space exists for community. It's a very rare space that exists on south sides. There's very little green space. There's very little public space on south side to begin with. And this space is a space where community members, where students, where, where people who just love the game of chess can just exist. And there's not a lot of spaces like that. And like Bryce was saying, we don't have a lot of, we have one pub, we have one bench on Telegraph Avenue. We have one bench. Um, and I think that's just insane. Um, and I'm just here to advocate for more public spaces on Telegraph, on more public spaces in general. I don't, I don't understand why this is the hill that we have to die on, that chess has to be destroyed like this we have no community spaces and this is the one space where we can all exist so i just want to thank you for your time and hope you consider that thank you very much uh was was your name called was your name called yeah ian no no oh my bad <laughs> but why don't we let these two people speak if you want to speak after that's fine too so So, uh, speaking in my individual capacity, the Homeless Services Panel of Experts did meet last uh, Thursday, uh, last Wednesday, rather, uh, to a large group of people that attended a, a meeting to address the proposed encampment policy. Uh, we did not approve the policy. Instead, we chose to uh, form a subcommittee and that will... In, continue to develop a proposed policy uh, to be submitted. Uh, the meeting was extremely civil. There was no shouting. Many people gave public comment and other people of opposing opinions sat in the audience. And one of them told me that she learned a lot from being there. Uh, we are going to have a subcommittee meeting this coming Monday at the East Bay Media Center. We are hoping to invite anybody from the public who wants to come, regardless of what their opinion is. Uh, one of the, we had nine communications, uh, written communications in addition to a very large crowd. And um, one of the common threads in all those communications was that regardless of what side you were on is the lack of resources. We heard a lot about trash tonight, but we didn't hear about the human beings involved. And uh, there is a, a uh, there was a constant comment about we have mental health issues in the community with serious mental health issues. We need to have ongoing, uh, we have an ongoing need to address those issues. We have to address the co-occurring disorders that are so prevalent in our community. Uh, when we um, talk about a PowerPoint that talks about restrooms, we there was an expansive restroom study with focus groups 
several years ago, but all those restrooms have not been implemented in the community. Many have, this is an outstanding issue. So we need to have that, not just place it in a PowerPoint that we have restrooms and dumpsters available. Um, these are individuals, they're different. Again, we heard about trash tonight, but yet we have some people in the community who are dangerous and are violent. And that is not all homeless people, nor is that all people with mental health issues. But we know the Jonah Ropers exist out there. The Dawn Careways exist out there. The criminal courts, for whatever reason, are not ordering these people into programs. And and that's something that needs to be addressed. If you can please wrap up your comments. Thank you. Mr. Abdullah. Which microphone? I guess this one. Good evening, first of all. Very happy to see you all. You know, I first of all, I'd like to mention again that UC Berkeley, our university, was rated to be the best public university in the whole world. Everybody should be proud of that. I spent 14 years there as a grad student and professor in the physics and nuclear engineering department. So I handed you four pages today. The first one dealing with the economy again, which should make me very angry. Whatever happened? What happened in the last 40 years? Were all of you facing homelessness? We have to talk about homeless, poverty, all of this thing. Please read the pages. Too much to for the few minutes for the one or two minutes I have. The second page is about. Well, I will talk about the first page in a second. Uh, second page about not made in USA. So all it started when Reagan not only destroyed all activity at UC Berkeley when I was a student, totally destroyed it. Uh, he also shipped all the jobs overseas when he became president. Yeah. So I'll go to the. First, which is very important. I will read it. Please give me like 30, 20 seconds to read it. I'm very, really sad and heartbroken about all of the innocent people in Israel and Gaza whose life was cut short today and yesterday, of course. May God bless their soul. And I'd like to, uh, 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 Mr. Hambert actually responded to email. Can you read the prayer or I can read it? It's only very short. I read it. Okay. God, most gracious, grant them uh, the wisdom and patience to build a resolution where Israelis and Palestinians reside in safety, free from oppression, and committed to the good of all. In this endeavor, make every one of us agent for your peace. Oh, God, forgive us all for our indifference and stamp out the prejudices that led to the hatred. Thank you very much. We really have to give our, all of our heart to these poor people there, innocent people, babies, young men, young women, older people. It is disgusting. It is totally disgusting. And all of them are getting killed by American-made weapons, which make me very sad. Instead of Biden going to make peace, no, he's just ship more weapons. It's hard. Thank you very much. Really, very good to see you again. And, you. you know, just consider the last page, which about our situation, just move forward. Thank you again. Thank you. Hi, sorry about that before. Thanks for acknowledging me. Uh, I am a Berkeley citizen and also a resident of District 7. And uh, I'm just going to say a quick thing about the chess club, advocating for the chess club. Um this last Saturday, there was an amazing event uh, at Telegraph where, or at that corner, Telegraph and Haste, uh, where I met friends and I made some friends. 
Um, I think it was a great example of independent public organizing um, that is at the core of the the fight over chess club. And, um, you know, I wasn't here when the Berkeley that was talked about at the last meeting was talked about, uh, but firework festivals and like kite stuff, like if that was part of my experience here, I, I don't know. I would, I would have appreciated that. Um, but, you know, I, I saw members of the city council there and I think that was appreciated as well. Um, I think the value of the chess club is far beyond chess. I walked away from uh, that particular meeting, having scheduled art lessons with a local artist who is like out there. Um, and I just want to echo what Lindsay said about Telegraph being a public space, uh, being a public space and is, you know, one of the most walked streets in the East Bay. Uh, we shouldn't be prioritizing expensive, ugly advertising boards over public space and public organizing. So thanks. Thank you. Okay, thank you all for your comments tonight. We'll have another public comment period on non-agenda matters at the end of our meeting. And so with that, uh, we'll proceed to the consent calendar. And we received um, an urgent item from Councilmember Robinson. And give me a minute to share screen to display the item. This was in the supplemental two packet. I think it's posted on the agenda webpage, correct? It is. Okay. So this is an urgent item that's being submitted pursuant to government code section 54954.2B2. The um, subject of the item is, quote, opening the Dwight Triangle. And um, uh, the facts supporting the additions item to the agenda, the need for action came to the attention of the council after the agenda for this, for this meeting was posted. There is a shortage of public space available for recreation in the Telegraph area. A significant interest in the expansion of public spaces for recreation, um, and there is a need to take immediate action so the improvements described in the proposal can be considered for our mid-year budget process. Um, and to pull up the recommendation, I uh, refer the city manager to open the fence enclosed space in the Dwight Triangle for public use and recreation. Um, uh, refer the city manager to install permanent chess tables and benches and to consider any landscaping improvements deemed necessary by staff. And to refer uh, $25,000 for a mid-year budget process in November um, for um, putting improvements like benches and other things to um, signage to enable public access. So um, I'll make a motion to add this item to the agenda pursuant to government code section 54954.2B2. Second. Okay. So the question is whether to add the item to the agenda tonight pursuant to the government code section for immediate action. And I'll ask the clerk to call the roll. Councilmember Kesarwani? Yes. Kaplan? Yes. Bartlett? Yes. Harrison? Yes. Hahn? Yes. Wengraff? Yes. Robinson? Yes. Humbert? Yes. And Mayor Aragin? Yes. Okay. Okay, so that item is now on the consent calendar for our meeting to be um, considered and voted on. Um, on the consent calendar also, uh, please bear with me. Um, so if there's anything that needs to be addressed. Uh, um, uh, no, I just, we only have one action item after this uh, consent calendar discussion, which is an update from the budget office on Berkeley's long-term financial condition on pension liabilities and infrastructures. So we'll do that presentation after this. Um, okay, council member Hahn. Thank you very much. So, first of all, um, I wanted to thank Councilmember Robinson for his items and ask if I could join them. 
we would love to have you. We have a full brown egg circle. I'm so sorry. Oh, okay. All righty. Well, then you'll know how I'll be voting. Um, I also wanted to say that I would like to be um, recorded as abstaining on um, item A, the ADU ordinance, and item 8, A and 8. Um, and then I eight is the ALPR camera contract. Yeah. Okay. So I, then I have a couple of other things that I want to say tonight. Um, I had the privilege in March of going on a trip to Israel with the JCRC. It's a trip that many electeds take. And in that trip, um, we visited a kibbutz, um, near the border with Gaza. And I wanted to read a little communication from somebody that um, is from that village that I received uh, today. 6.30 Saturday morning, it started with a not uncommon severe barrage of rockets on the Israeli communities on the border with Gaza. At the same time, hundreds of heavily armed terrorists broke through the border and attacked numerous civilian communities. After 36 hours, there are 700 dead and more than a thousand wounded just in Israel. Most of the civilians, men, women, and children barricaded themselves in their bomb shelters. The terrorists went door to door and murdered and took hostages back to Gaza, including whole families with children. We saw them running outside our house dressed in black shooting nonstop. In my small kibbutz, there were tens of dead and abducted. Our emergency response volunteers were nearly all murdered, abducted, and wounded. Many homes were occupied and families held hostage. A good friend's daughter, husband, and baby were murdered in front of their two older children who hid in the cupboard and called their grandmother who was overseas. The only way to give support to the two kids was for a social worker to be on the line with them for many hours as they were in the room with the bodies of their family until the army managed to get them. No ambulances could get through. Those that tried, the paramedics were killed and the ambulances hijacked to Gaza. We were in our bomb shelter all the time, surrounded by constant shooting and explosions, very bad internet connection, no phone reception, and no electricity for 18 hours. I wanna say that my heart is absolutely broken. And it's broken for a lot of reasons, but today I just want to say that I am absolutely disgusted and horrified by these acts of terrorism. And I mourn the loss of life and the terror. I also believe that silence is complicity. And we have been very silent here today. I wanna thank Ben Bartlett the only council member who reached out to me since this terrible event. And I wanna let council member Harrison know that her 
manufactured middle school fake conflict fell very poorly on a day I think we're when I was trying to help a friend get out of Tel Aviv all day. I, I will not be silent, and the silence of this council and this community is deafening. I am going to ask permission to close our meeting in addition to honoring uh, the individual we already honored. I would like to ask permission to close our meeting in honor of all who have died through acts of terrorism and to pray that the loss of life, all loss of life, cease. May we do that? Yes. Thank you. Yes. Um, I'll just note for the record that I have um, made a public statement, and I'll read it on this issue. And you may have not seen it. Um, the senseless and horrific acts by Hamas extremists on Israel have shocked Berkeley and the world. And we actually just learned um, within the past day of two people with ties to our city that have been affected. Um, young man, Hirsch Goldberg, Poland, who was one of the hundreds of young people who were either killed or taken hostage at a music festival on the border between Israel and Gaza. And the nephew of Rabbi Yonatan Cohen, who's the leader of Congregate Beth Israel in central Berkeley. And um, I think we all agree that we do stand with our Jewish and Israeli residents um, and that these are acts of terrorism and they're, they're unacceptable and that we need peace and we need to end to the bloodshed. Uh, and um, there can't be no... Um, um, uh, you know, uh, condoning of this or trying to um, compare it to uh, the ongoing struggles of Palestinians. This is um, an unprovoked um, uh, uh, act of war, um, and innocent people have died, um, kids, women, um, uh, and just innocent civilians. It's unacceptable. We won't. We do not tolerate this. We stand with our Jewish brothers and sisters in Berkeley and throughout the world. Um, and we and uh, while we know that this is a difficult time in Israel, it's a difficult time here in, in Berkeley in the Bay Area. And we need to make sure we can protect our, our places of worship, protect our community members, and we stand committed to doing that. So I thank you, Councilor Han, for bringing this up tonight. Um, I think we, we share your outrage, um, and we will adjourn our meeting in honor of all the people who have died um, in this horrible act of um, terrorism, extremism, that have claimed the lives of people um, in Israel. Um, Councilor Harrison. Yes. Um, first off, I'm going to address something that was just added to the council agenda tonight, which is the Dwight Triangle. I want to um, thank Councilmember Robinson for putting this forward. I think it's important that we, we use that space in a really effective way for the people. I do want to say, though, that 
I'm looking at the Southside plan and seeing that we're declaring things like dog grooming rooms as open space for students. We're declaring that we're going to reduce the amount of open space. And that really concerns me because you've heard tonight about how there's just not enough open space as there is. So it's great we're doing this, but I think we have to look at these plans in a broader context. Students need sun and light and companionship just as much as anybody else. So I have issues with the Southside plan, not because of the housing being built, but because of the reduction of open space that I think benefits everyone. So I just, I wanted to say that. And also I'm concerned about, again, the loss of autonomy of people being able to gather on places like corners and just be themselves. It's great that we have governmental solutions, but we also have to allow people to do their own thing, essentially. So I, I really appreciate that. I'm not certain what Councilmember Hahn was referring to. We had written this item about the um uh, redoing the legislative process many, many weeks ago. I've been working with Councilmember Robinson and with Councilmember Taplin for weeks and with my staff for a lot longer than that. It has nothing to do with Israel. This is introduced today. It was on the calendar. So I find that your attack of me is completely unprovoked. Having said that, I am very, very, very sorry for our loss collectively. Um, half of my family is Jewish as well. And we are all suffering a huge loss with what happened over this weekend. And it's simply stunning. I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like this in, in my lifetime. So um, I'm going to say, Councilor Hahn, I am sorry, but it has nothing to do with the rest of our business on this calendar. And I would ask the mayor when that happens in future, that you please deal with it? Because I thought it was extremely unfair. I, I said this was not this was not germane to the subject matter, and she still continued to speak. Yeah. This is also not germane to the subject matter, so why don't we get back to the consent calendar? Okay, but I, I really need to ask that, that we not do that, because the loss of some people and the horrible things that happened this weekend have nothing to do with how we redo our legislative affairs. And certainly I didn't time today to, to deal with that. Um, I also just want to really thank the staff for their work on the Ohlone Greenway. Um, I'm looking forward to that and the changes we're going to make there. And also really, really, really appreciate all the work that's being done generally by our health, health and human services department, which is doing an outstanding job working on housing, homelessness, and mental health. So thank you very much. Uh, Council Robinson. Good evening. Thank you, Councilmember Hahn for not being silent and for reminding us not to either. And I'll come back to that. Uh, first, I really want to express my gratitude to my colleagues for accepting our proposal and for the Dwight Triangle for the agenda today. Uh, many of you will know and remember that my office and I have been seeking a reactivation of the Dwight Triangle for years and several budget referrals and a pandemic and a staffing crisis later, the Dwight Triangle still looks more or less the same. Uh, it is included in the scope of the Telegraph Multimodal Corridor Project, and through that process, hardscape improvements to close the slip turn and fulfill the vision for the triangle will be considered, but on the ground, in real life today, the triangle represents unfulfilled potential. And last week, we heard a powerful rallying cry from the community, expressing that there's a shortage of open space on Southside and on Telegraph for public use and recreation, including playing chess. The chess club is assessing their next steps, as we heard in public comment, and have made clear that they are committed to the location at Telegraph and Haste. Those conversations will be ongoing, and I'm committed to working with the chess community to understand the paths forward with the property owner and city staff. But one thing that we can do as a council today is take action to move forward the vision of opening and activating the triangle and create additional 
new public space on Telegraph. With uh, just a few modest improvements that are outlined in the budget referral, like landscaping and permanent chess tables and benches, we can create a new space for gathering and community and, yes, chess. Uh, and I want to thank our city staff for their willingness and eagerness to embrace this project. Uh, by approving this today, we ensure that the accompanying budget referral can be considered in the November AIO number one, uh, thus its introduction, introduction today as an urgent item. Uh, so thank you. And looking to the rest of the consent calendar, I have no further comments, but while I still have the floor, I, I really want to resonate with the pain that Councilmember Hahn expressed and that so many in our community are facing uh, as we all follow the violence in Israel and Palestine. Uh, and I'm very mindful that as violence flares in Israel and Palestine, uh, Islamophobia and anti-Semitism flare right here at home. Uh, and so I'm sure I I share a, a feeling of this unanimous council in, uh, in mourning the loss of life and praying for a lasting peace. Thank you. Uh, council member Humbert. Yes. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, um, I'm co-sponsoring with council member Robinson, the, the item on, uh, the chess tables. And I wanted to say a little bit about that to begin with. Um, I'm really pleased to be the co-sponsor of that. Um, I think it's important to create space for the community of Telegraph chess players and aficionados to pursue their, you know, their connections with each other and to pursue the game of chess. Um, I think there was a lot of unfortunate misinformation about why the chess area and supplies were removed and who initiated that, and this resulted in a lot of unfair criticism directed at various quarters. Um, I want to be clear that it's my sense, very clear sense, that the city strongly supports positive, informal community like the chess tables in our public spaces. And thank you so much to Councilmember Robinson and his staff who worked so hard, um, and they spent a lot of hours on this, I know, to take last week's lemons and make lemonade out of them. And I'm pleased and grateful that I've been asked to be the co-sponsor uh, of this measure. I have a couple other items as I as I leaf through my um, uh, I leave through my uh, comments um, I think I do maybe I don't maybe we've covered everything oh I, I do want to say I'm really pleased about items 12 and 13 which is uh, which would relate to the renewal of bids the business improvement districts for Solano and the Elmwood and it appears that the Elmwood bid will be expanded to include the Berkeley businesses at Derby and College, um, College and Alcatraz, that area. They sometimes think they're part of Rock Ridge, but they're part of Berkeley and now going to be part of the Elmwood. And down Ashby toward Telegraph, which will pick up the hospital and some of the associated businesses. This is a win-win for everyone. And I want to extend special thanks to Kieran Slaughter and Eleanor Hollander in the Economic Development Office and to Andrew Hahn of Elmwood Stationers, all of whom have been instrumental in supporting the Elmwood bid and getting this expansion done. Thank you. Vice Mayor Bartlett. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, I'd also like to thank uh, Councilor Robinson for your uh, creative effort here to reactivate uh, a, a space of land. I remember it used to be fun when I was a kid. I remember that place. <laughs> so hopefully that works. We'll see. But thank you for your efforts, and I support it. And I wanted to just, um, again, 
you know, I guess I remember when uh, when George Floyd was killed, um, people made statements and offered support and warm words. And, um, you know, I realized this was this an elephant in the room that uh, until you spoke, Councilman Han, no one mentioned. Um, but, you know, it's important that, you know, when people are grieving, we offer support first and sympathy first and empathy first before couching and hedging into something else. But right now, I want to say for the record, um, you know, having experience being up against the wall, um, I'm great, very grateful for your support um, for what my people go through. And in this moment, uh, you have my deepest empathy and compassion and prayers. Thank you. Okay. Are there any other city council members that want to speak on the consent? Oh, Councilmember Weingrab. Apologies. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I want to be recorded as abstaining on item number A, which is the amendments to Title 23 relating to ADUs. Um, and um, I want to um, say, Councilmember Hahn, you and I talked for at least an hour on Sunday, and I hope that you understand that that actually I am still in shock as the information comes out and is verified. Um, I'm getting emails and texts from friends in Israel describing what the situation is like. And um, and I'm hearing about friends whose kibbutzes have been completely decimated and occupants slaughtered by these barbarians. So I I hope that you understand that I am grieving with you. And um, and when I recover, I hope that we can work together on on a statement on a public statement. Um, because right now this is this is personal to Berkeley. Um, there is a, a young man who is a Berkeleyan who is missing currently and um, and there are many Americans who are missing. And um, so it's it's very personal, but I grieve for all of the Israelis and all of the people in Gaza who have lost their lives and who and for their loved ones as well. Thank you. We'll go to Councilor Kesawani. Thank Councilor Han. Thank you very much, Mr. Mayor. I, I also just want to express my uh, sadness and grief over the terrorism that is occurring. Um, I've been reading the horrific stories of what families, children, and innocent civilians are going through. And I was very saddened to hear about um, this young young man from Berkeley who is um, believed to be taken hostage. And I, I do pray for a lasting peace. I just also want to express my um, just concern for our Jewish community here in Berkeley. You know, I, I got a message on Saturday from Urban Adama because they were having a celebration that evening and they were worried about security threats. Uh, you know, my son goes to the JCC East Bay and, and they are having taking heightened security measures. And so I, uh, I just want to be clear that I think this whole council feels concern and, um, and, uh, just express my my deep uh, feelings on this issue. Thank you very much. 
Councillor Kaplan, then Hung. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor. And I want to join my colleagues in expressing my sympathy, and I want to apologize to Councillor Hunt for not reaching out sooner. Um, I, I've um, also have been in shock, and um, it sometimes takes me a while to to, to communicate. And um, I, I wish I had I reached out much sooner. And I, I just want everyone to know, um, I. I, my 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 ear is always open. My heart is always open. So if there's any way I can provide any solace, even if it's just to lend an ear, um, I'm 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 here for the community. I'm here for my colleagues, um, and and um, and I I I want to um, just express that um, hatred in any form can never be tolerated, and we and we cannot let our guard down not here in Berkeley, not anywhere. And um, so many of our communities um, have trauma and, and face um, state violence. And and it's so important for, for us to be allies in our collective struggles for justice. And um, I wanna thank my colleagues. Yeah, thank you for those, the kind words. And I appreciate that um, everyone is reeling. I, I just wanted to reach out to council member Wengraf um, you're not here on the dais, so it's easy to forget that you're here with us. Um, you have been a great support and friend um, in, in many ways, but in particular on these issues. And I wanted to acknowledge, and you and I did speak and correspond, and um, thank you for your partnership in um, addressing these issues and also to acknowledge what a difficult time you're having. Councilor Humbert. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, you know, I don't think there's anything I could add that would be expressed better or more genuinely than my colleagues already have. So I just want to join in our collective sorrow and condemnation of violence and in our hopes for those who are being affected by this, this senseless brutality. Um, I mentioned last week, uh, I think it was last week that I've spent um, several days of my life, 10 days of my life, sitting on the um, selection platform at Auschwitz-Birkenau, reading the names of those who died in the Holocaust, and um, and in community with um, with Jews and Arabs and, and many other people in a uh, multi-faith gathering, two of them. Um, and so this issue is very close to my heart, and... And personally, I, I stand with Israel, and I believe that Israel has the absolute right to exist. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I mean, I also just want to acknowledge that there are, um, you know, innocent people in Gaza who are dying due to the war and the violence that's happening. Um, it's not acceptable. Um, and, um, you know, sadly, this, you know, this was initiated. Um by Hamas. There are innocent Israelis and innocent Palestinians who've died. That's why we call for peace. We call for people coming together. We call for justice. Um, and it's got to be justice for that, that I think ensures a safe and secure Israel and the right of people, Palestinians, to be able to coexist and to live there too. Um, and I'll just say, you know, I did visit, I had the pleasure of visiting Israel last year and seeing firsthand what's happening um, on the ground. Um, and it makes me sad. It makes me sad that, um, you know, our ability to achieve peace 
um, and to prevent suffering that's happening is going to be hard to achieve now. But I think we all have to commit ourselves to trying to fight for peace. So um, I appreciate everyone um, talking about this today. And this is all on our minds, watching, you know, kibbutzes and cities being bombed and people being killed. It's not acceptable. Um, and we we have to call out violence and injustice that exists anywhere in our world. So um, with that in mind, um, unless there's any further questions or comments from council members, we will, um, city manager, I'm assuming you have no comments on the consent calendar. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, no comments. Um, we'll take public comment on the consent calendar. We'll go to in-person speakers first. Who'd like to start? Hi again. Um, again, my name is Jonah Gottlieb, Berkeley student and member of the chess club. Um, I just want to speak out in support of Council Member Robinson's uh, Dwight Triangle item. We need this item because we need a we need public space in Berkeley, especially in the South Side District. However, I want to be clear that this should not be seen as a solution to the chess club. We are fighting to stay exactly where we are in Telegraph and Haste. People in the club have tried to play chess in that parklet before the fences were put up because of the traffic. Uh, it's just way too noisy and sitting there for 10 hours a day playing chess as many elderly members of the club do and breathing the exhaust is just super unhealthy. And so it's just not a viable solution. Um, additionally, the building across the street is slated for construction. And so it's going to get even noisier and even more uh, impossible to play chess there. So we support it, but we are still fighting to remain where we are and will not be playing chess there. Thank you. Shalom. I believe that's a Hebrew word that's defined as peace, wholeness, and harmony. And as a peacekeeper, peacemaker, since I was in the sixth grade, and as a Christian who hopes to go to the Holy Land someday, I had a friend, a neighbor, who recently took the prayers of my family members who have been sick and offered to put them into the prayer wall. And she placed them there and tiny little scrolls placed into that space. So I do have a heartbreak for the 2.2 million Palestinians who are currently trapped in the Gaza without medicine, water, or fuel. So I do want to give space to their um, current status as well as those who've been killed and injured and kidnapped. And we do need to fight for peace. Violence begets violence. And we need to call for peace immediately, including to stop the bombing of 2,200 shelling uh, incidents upon Gaza. Um, so I also want to just ask that you do look at the um, homeless prevention module to ensure that um, there are people who have lived experience on the panel. It was raised in this last week's meeting that they have the panel of experts, but the experts are also the unhoused who are not formally in the process. So I think that committee is coming back to you with input from those who are unhoused. Also on the matter of the cameras, number eight, no, no, but they've been said yes, and we're buying them for almost a half a million dollars. Um, we may prevent some crime, but sadly we won't prevent crime. And as they see the um, license plate, we're just basically sometimes catching people who have committed crimes, but I'm concerned continually about 
the overreach of that and the lack of effectiveness for the cost. And there are all kinds of studies that I sent to you about that. And um, the final item really quick, um, there was another one. Oh, the BART grant. Thank you for that. I'm glad they're doing that work and um, ensuring a better car park space. And I agree on the um, Councilmember Robinson. If you sit on that little square for about a half an hour, you will walk away choking from the exhaust and it isn't a really good spot. So thank you for the concept, but maybe a better place because it is not very good for one's health. Thanks. Hello. I wanted to speak about the triangle as well. Um, I guess when I hear about the triangle being created, I think that's great. I think, you know, as people have said, we need more, uh, more open space, more public space. Um, it reminds me a little bit of the Illini Greenway, um, which was created uh, a couple of years after People's Park, um, as the city sought to create more green space in uh, reaction to the outcry from the public uh, about People's Park. They said, well, we, let's create these other spaces in Berkeley. And that was, you know, incredible. They decided to put Put the bar trains underground instead of having them above ground uh, in North Berkeley. Uh, they didn't do that in South Berkeley, unfortunately, in uh, in Oakland, unfortunately. Um, and yeah, so it, it, you know, they the city was unwilling to uh, to uh, allow People's Park to you know to continue with the resources it needed, but they did create the Eleni Greenway, which is incredible. So I think this is you know a very 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 small microcosm of that, where um, I support the creation of the or the reintroduction of the triangle. Um, and also, we're still fighting for the corner that we're in. So thank you. Hi, I'm Cecilia. I'm a fourth year student at UC Berkeley. Um, and I just want to say that I'm really excited for more open space on Telegraph. Um, as we can, as we've seen today and last week, there is there are students yearning for more open open space. And this triangle shouldn't have been closed in the first place. So I'm super excited. And even though it isn't the solution for the chess club, um, I'm still excited that it, that we are using this opportunity to open more public space. Um, I kind of also want to reiterate what all of my, um, my fellow classmates and chess players have, have said about the chess club more broadly, um, kind of trying to uplift their voice, but yeah, I am also excited about public space. So thanks for that. Thank you. Hello, uh, my name is Avery Arbaugh. I'm a UC Berkeley student and the president of the Cal Berkeley Democrats. Uh, I'm here today to speak in favor of the reopening of the Dwight Triangle for public use. Um, but I also want to recognize the history of that space. Uh, the space should never have been closed off to the public. Uh, and the action of violently forcing homeless people from this property as part of a sweep and then fencing off the area is part of a broader tradition in this city of unhoused people being criminalized for simply existing in public spaces. Reclaiming the space for the community uh, is an important step towards creating broader community within our, uh, our city. And uh, regardless of people's backgrounds, I think we can all uh, come together in spaces like this. Um, at the same time, I want to re re reiterate other statements about uh, this not being an ideal location for the Berkeley Chess Club and calling for an end to the fines against the Berkeley Chess Club property owner for uh, allowing people to use his space. Uh, thank you.
Speaking to item five, I'm hoping that this homeless prevention module will also include job development. And um, and that needs to be done for the tenuously housed as well as, as the unhoused. Uh, a study from uh, in California showed that the highest number of people who are homeless are black. The second highest are Native American. This is, they confirmed what we are experiencing here. It's an aging population. And these are not individuals who all of a sudden one day decided to be homeless, decided to put themselves in this situation. Because what this California study also showed is that most of, that the great majority of these individuals did have work histories, but they were in very low-level jobs, low-skilled jobs, where they did not have a safety net and settle down. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hi, again, I'm Gerard Markham. I just realized that every time I've come up here, I have not mentioned my alma mater. Um, I love her so dearly. So um, I do want to say that my name is Gerard and I am an alumni of the University of Rochester. Um, I'm also a Berkeley, longtime Berkeley resident. Um, I'm, I'm from the area, you guys. I realize I just haven't been saying much about myself because I'm here for the chess club. Um, I grew up in Berkeley. Um, I do remember a short period of time where the Dwight Triangle uh, was a thing. It was really interesting. Um, I'm in full support of it being developed for something. Um, there are six and seven-year-olds that play uh, at our, our chess club, so we don't want them to be surrounded on an island um, by traffic. But um, I'm in full support of the project. And one of the things um, that I think might actually be cool that might be cool to put on the triangle would be um i'm not sure if you guys are familiar but bart has like a poetry sort of program where you can like go to a machine press a button and then you can get a poem that was written by someone who actually uses bart so i think it would be pretty cool to use the dwight triangle or come up with some ideas for how you can like do something similar to that where you're sharing like art or you know some sort of um you know, something from, from the community with the community. Um, so I think that, that that would be a cool thing to add on there. That's it. Thanks. Thank you very much. Are there any other in-person speakers? My name is, my name is Jesse Sheehan. I'm the chairman of our chess club. I'd like to speak on item five. Um, I think a lot of the data that you have coming to this council and to this audience this evening was put forward by Peter Verdue. I think Peter Verdue is probably half of the problem with this city. He closed the Dwight Triangle. He supported sweeping our homeless friends and neighbors off of sidewalks right in front of my eyes. He recently had a federal judge step in and put a hold on some of your encampment sweeps. I've seen Peter Verdue lie to city leaders, lie to police officers at the scene of homeless sweeps, and destroy lives. Peter Redu's on vacation this week. I would beseech this counselor to leave him on vacation. Please, for the love of God, we need somebody else that's more in touch with the people of this city, not economic development. Mr. Slaughter, Mr. Redu, I have been witness to the to the Freedom of Information papers, the coordinated effort between Roger Robinson's office, Peter Redu, and um, Mr. Slaughter's office. 
These are people. It's not economic development. If we had People's Park, we wouldn't be having this discussion about where the chess club would be. And shame on you for doing backroom deals, Thank you buying so my input as a constituent, you, saying you'll take money for your budget from the University of California, which has made Thank some you. of the weapons that are killing people in Israel. You are doing backroom deals with the biggest comments. conglomerate corporate entity in the world. Blackstone is building the two buildings on People's Park, and you guys are pretending like it's not happening. They are a for-profit company. Thank you. Shame on all of you. Are there any other in-person speakers on the consent calendar, on a consent item? That's on item five also. Um, I'm sure I don't have to introduce myself. Um, I think you... You guys all know me at this point. Um, you are the people. And Save people's parts. Yes, shame on you because you guys have been ignoring my emails for two years. I've been harassed by the police department, by the whole community, including racism towards me. I'm white, yes, but people are racist towards me. You guys ignored all the correspondence. Mr. Bartlett, last week you told me you never even got my correspondence. That's a lie. You all read it, and you are stonewalling me. I want to, and I want to take it right over, out of your mouth, uh, Miss Sophie Hahn. Uh, uh, what did you just which, say half an hour ago? Which agenda item are you speaking uh, to, ma'am? Silence. Are you speaking to an item you on the guys consent are calendar? with ma major real estate fraud here for years. What item are you speaking to, please? If you can please address your comments to the consent calendar. Um, so I will come back next week, and I'm going to bring you all hard copies of the emails of the last two years that I sent to you, especially to you, uh, Ms. E. Williams Wrigley. Thank you very much. I'll be back next week. Thank you. And I'm going to learn. I'm going to be better at presenting myself. You know, this is my first time, but this is not my last time. If we can let the speakers speak, thank you. Hi. Um, yes, it's, it's a terrific time to look at what human beings are capable of doing to each other. Um, I'm not going to say anything. Um, it, it's been very one-sided or almost very one-sided. Thank you for speaking up for the Palestinians. Um, but in terms of open space, everybody until my comrade Jesse spoke, was being very well behaved and not mentioning that you gave away 2.8 acres of open space to the University of California. And now you're going to save a little space, the face that has a lot of egg on it someday, I hope, by opening up the triangle. Well, let me remind you that... Um, in 1969, when the park was created, um, if you remember what um, Lloyd's daughter said, he was very upset by the color line that was um, in full effect in Berkeley. You could not cross Martin Luther King um, at night and not be escorted or encouraged to return back to the other side if you were black. People's Park changed that. People's Park gave black people an excuse to be on the other side of that line. And how strange that the chess club, which performs the same function, is now being closed down 
like the park probably will be. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Are there any other public comments on a consent calendar item from any members of the public here in the boardroom? Because we have members of the public on Zoom that wish to speak to an item on consent. Okay, we'll go first to Todd Andrew. Oh, hi, Mr. Mayor, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, um, may I have a couple of extra minutes? I thought I was gonna have two. I'm calling in my capacity as chair of the Solano Bid Board. Hello? Yes, please. I believe okay. that's on the agenda. All right. I, I'm Todd Andrew, 16-year resident in a rent control department on Hopkins at Monterey, and I am the chair of the Solano Bid Board, and I'm just calling on consent item 14, our annual report and renewal. Um, thank you so much for your time. I joined the Solano Bid Board in late 2019 and became chair this year. I realize it's kind of uncommon for a bid board member to make comments on these renewals, but I do appreciate your time. There have been some exciting developments this year, and I just wanted to share them with you. Of course, you can read our report. First, we had two board members resign last year, and we got two new board members this year. And the exchange has been that these new board members are so excited and committed, and key, they depend on foot traffic, which is a perspective we haven't had since I've uh, been on the board, which is really important to our mission. Uh, the renewed merchant interest in the bid includes some who are not on the board, including some criticism from the section of Solano Avenue where businesses have Berkeley addresses, but the city of Albany is responsible for the streets and sidewalks. I welcome and I'm really gratified by all of this new engagement that our outreach has brought. Criticism brings reinvigoration. Instead of waiting until early next year to discuss our 2024 work plan, which has been typical, we'll start discussing it at our next meeting on October 24th, two weeks from today, at 10 a.m. at Mechanics Bank, and I want to welcome everyone to that meeting, but please try to let me know ahead of time if you plan to attend as space is limited. We'll discuss several possible exciting changes for next year at that meeting, and when I say exciting, uh, it's all relative as we have a, a budget of about $25,000. Um, we want to discuss bringing greater equity to the businesses in the Albany section of the street where we've historically had less impact and we'll explore making expenditures from our carryover funds to that objective. Uh, after receiving significant feedback from merchants that the hanging succulent baskets aren't perceived as impactful as they might be, we'll explore alternatives to those. We will continue the close partnership we've had with the Solano Avenue Association for the last four years to bring events to Solano Avenue, such as the Solano Stroll in November and other events throughout the year, as well as holiday decorations. And we've also cooperated with the North Shattuck Association on projects such as the North Berkeley and Bloom marketing effort, including street banners. We've heard through the grapevine that there's interest in exploring more cooperation with the North Shattuck Association. And while the SAA is obviously uniquely qualified to partner with the bid, the North Shattuck Association is a valued Berkeley sister business organization. We're happy to hear those ideas. In closing, please plan an outing to Solano Avenue soon. And let me know if you have questions. Thanks so much. Okay, thank you. Uh, we'll go next to Russell Bates, followed by Kelly Hammergren. Uh, thank you, everybody. Um, they say war is kind of like a chess game. Um, I was on the wrong side of history once in 1968 in Vietnam when the Tet Offensive happened. It changed the course of the war. Gaza is the Tet Offensive of 2023. It's going to change the course of history there. Uh, they said it couldn't happen in 1968, the Tet Offensive. It did happen. They said it couldn't happen in 2023 in Gaza. It did happen. The people of Gaza do not 
say that this is an unprovoked attack. It's been provoked every single day of the year when Palestinians get killed, when Palestinians have their homes destroyed, when settlers come in and take over the homes. I feel no empathy for, well, no, I can't say that. I feel empathy for people who are suffering. But the people who are making people suffer are the government of the United States and the government of Israel. And I say, assalamu alaikum, peace be unto you. We need ceasefire. Thank you very much. Okay, we'll go next to Kelly Hammergren. Uh, thank you. And I want to thank members Han and Council Members Han and Wengraf for abstaining on the ADU ordinance. This is crazy. We're building um, in the fire zone, earthquake zone, landslide area, and. Um, the triangle is not a solution for the chess club. I want to thank all of the public members who made their comments tonight. Um, I'm not sure the ALPRs are a solution either. And I do appreciate uh, my council member Harrison's comment on open space. A dog washing room is not open space. We should be making a place um, for students that is outside, not a dog washing um, room. So I want to thank you for all of the comments tonight. And that's it. Okay, thank you. I don't see any other raised hands to speak to an item on the consent calendar. So we'll close public comment. And I will move adoption of the consent calendar and note those votes that were recorded. Second. Okay, um, unless there's any further discussion from the council on the consent calendar, let's call the roll. Okay. On consent, Councilmember Kisterwani. Yes. Taplin. Yes. Bartlett is absent. Harrison is absent. Han. Yes. Wengraf. Yes. Robinson. Yes. Humber. Yes. And Mayor Aragon. Yes. Okay. Okay. The consent count is approved. We are due for a caption or break. Um, and we only have one agenda item. So to the staff that will be presenting an item B. State support on Berkeley's financial condition. We'll get to that app um, in 10 minutes. So thank you. Recording stopped.
Recording in progress. Councilmember Wangraf, are you there? We're gonna, if the, and if the councilors can please rejoin us. Yes, I am here. That would be great. I'm here. Thank you. We're gonna wait up just a minute for the other city councilors to rejoin us. Thank you. Okay, the council's back in session. Um, and before we proceed to the next agenda item, item B, I'd like to just make a statement. Um, really wanna call on everyone, our public uh, and our colleagues to, uh, to follow our rules of decorum. Um, we wanna make sure that we have a process where everyone can participate um, in a civil manner. I wanna call attention to the council rules of procedure, the section on decorum council members. While the council is in session, the council will practice civility and decorum and their discussions and debate. We value each other's time and will preserve order and decorum. And members shall neither by conversation or otherwise delay or interrupt the proceedings of the council, use personal, impertinent or slanderous remarks, et cetera, et cetera. So um, all councils have the right to, to speak and agree to disagree. Um, those, are, those are the rules of which we operate. And um, we all care deeply about the city, have very strong opinions, and let's, you know, let's all be respectful of each other um, as we're doing the public's business. I just want to call attention to our rules of decorum for the public and for the council. Thank you. With that, we'll move to item B. A status report on Berkeley's financial condition, pension liabilities, and infrastructure need attention. And uh, Budget and Finance Committee got this presentation, um, uh, oh, several months ago. Um, we thought it was extremely important because this is really around how we're implementing our audit um, around um, unfunded pension liabilities and infrastructure. And um, specifically, what are some recommendations around how we can address these very important infrastructure and financial challenges the city faces long term. So part of this are a set of recommendations that our staff have put forward on how we can implement um, policies and measures to address these really important financial challenges. And with that, um, Madam City Manager, um, will Ms. Friedrichsen present on this? And yes, thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, our Budget Manager, Sharon Friedrichsen, will be our presenter this evening. Thank you. Good evening, uh, Council and the uh, Mayor and Council. Let me uh, bring up the presentation. Okay. Uh, and good evening. Uh, the purpose of tonight's presentation is to provide a uh, update on our implementation status related to the financial conditions audit. Uh, just uh, as way of background, the city auditor did release the report on the financial conditions uh, in May of uh, 2022. Audit findings are uh, financially many near-term indicators are generally positive. Uh, however, the city does face some financial challenges related to other long-term indicators, including debt, uh, pension, and other post-employment 
benefits or OPEB liabilities and capital assets. The audit include, includes five recommendations. Uh, we did um, provide our first report uh, to the budget and uh, budget and finance policy committee and then council in January of 2023. And uh, this is just a, an update on uh, the continuation of our implementation of these findings. Uh, the first uh, recommendation was twofold. Re it uh, relates to the completion of a risk assessment, as well as a plan to replenish the reserves that uh, were largely utilized uh, during the pandemic. Uh, the current uh, city policy does require that a risk assessment be completed every five years. Uh, our current policy includes a goal of 30% of our general fund revenue uh, being in reserves by 2027. Um, we have, as staff, been working with the GFOA, the Government Finance Officer Association, on using a risk-based approach uh, to analy analyzing uh, our level of reserves. Uh, this will be uh, a model that looks at specific risk conditions for the city of Berkeley. I'm happy to uh, report that the uh, consultant at the GFOA has just uh, completed the model. Uh, related to the city's exposure to several natural events and what that financial impact uh, to the city may be. Uh, I'd like to uh, thank my uh, colleagues in uh, the fire department and the Office of Emergency Services for their help. Uh, we're now uh, working on the uh, revenue volatility model. Uh, once those two pieces are brought together, it uh, will be presented to the Budget and Finance uh, Policy Committee uh, for input and then to council. Uh, in addition to updating the reserve policy, we've been uh, working with the Budget and Finance uh, Committee to develop strategies uh, to replenish the reserves. Um, last year, as part of the adoption of the Biennial Budget Council, did approve additional strategies related to uh, efforts to re uh, replenish the reserves. This includes uh, a new policy of uh, one-third of investment revenue over a baseline of $6 million, uh, to be allocated to um, the reserves. Uh, we'll also uh, speak about that policy shortly. Uh, the other third will go toward the Section 115 Trust and the final one-third to uh, capital infrastructure. Um, we've also been able to uh, augment our reserves in fiscal year uh, 23. Uh, this is a combination of using our excess equity calculation uh, as stipulated by our current general fund reserve and we were able to add about $1.5 million into the reserve based on fiscal year 2022 um, year-end uh, status. We are also able to pre-fund uh, reserves as part of the budget process in fiscal year uh, 23 of about $5.5 million. And depending on our return on investments, uh, we may be able to add additional funds to the reserve as part of uh, fiscal year close in 2023. Uh, this chart uh, just depicts our contributions to the reserves uh, in 2027, excuse me, in fiscal year 2017. Uh, we had initial investment of about uh, 22 million. Uh, you can see there in fiscal year 2019, about uh, 10 million uh, combined between the stability and the catastrophic reserve. In fiscal year 2020, uh, not only were we as a city not able to contribute to the reserves because of the pandemic, we also had to uh, utilize uh, those reserves to sustain operations. Uh, we have uh, been 
on the uptick in terms of making our contributions in 2021 uh, and in 2022 and 2023, we're on track uh, to make a contribution of about $7 million respectively in each of those years. Uh, however, as I previously stated, our current policy is 30% of reserves by 2027. Uh, you can see that we've been hovering around uh, the 13 to 14% mark. Uh, however, uh, as previously indicated, we'll, we are working with the GFOA uh, to look at a uh, um, possible new uh, policy related to our reserve level, again, based more on risk uh, factors rather than just a straight percentage. So stay uh, tuned for that. Uh, second recommendation is to assess the fund balance for the enterprise funds uh, and also uh, explore an option to uh, create uh, policies similar uh, to the general fund reserve. Uh, we have initially uh, started a working group with some of our impacted uh, departments to really uh, talk about best practices, uh, really look at the different approaches that are used um, by our departments. Uh, some are looking at percentage of revenue similar to the general fund. Uh, some are looking at a, a percentage of their uh, operating expenditures and uh, how much uh, uh, dollars would be needed and reserved to sustain operations over a certain point in time. But again, uh, our primary focus is on the general fund, uh, and then we will uh, continue to uh, work forward uh, on policies for enterprise funds and again bring those forward to the committee and council for consideration. Uh, next recommendation pertains to updating the debt management policy. Uh, council did uh, recently approve revisions to the debt management policy. Uh, changing our debt capacity from 15% uh, to 6% of assessed value. Now, that occurred uh, just this uh, June as part of the adoption of the fiscal year uh, 24 updated budget. So that item is completed. Uh, the next item is to present a plan uh, to assess contributions to the Section 115 Trust. Uh, again, uh, as part of the adopted uh, budget for fiscal year 23 and 24. Uh, Council approved several um, policies to increase contributions, including that savings um, from the prepayment of our CalPERS unfunded liability um, be allocated to the trust. And again, as previously indicated, that one third of any investment revenue over, over our baseline uh, also uh, be allocated to the trust. Uh, we have worked with our actuarial uh, this past year and have uh, maintained our contribution goal of 5.5 million annually. And we've also begun uh, initial research uh, related to a potential policy on uh, the ways to use the trust um, moving forward. Uh, this uh, chart, again, is a highlight of our contribution trust by fiscal year. Again, uh, as we put in our initial seed money and started uh, the trust uh, with council direction in 2018, uh, we've been able to uh, make a range of payments, uh, a high of about uh, 5.3 million in 2019. Again, you see during the pandemic, uh, the contributions uh, for 2020 and 2021 uh, were really the result of the prepayment to CalPERS. Uh, however, we're on track uh, to continue uh, to make pay payments uh, to the trust, uh, uh, pushing upwards of uh, $4 million, again, uh, based on these new uh, fiscal policies. And uh, however, um, we will uh, still be under our uh, target 
of 5.5 million, uh, but we are making a significant headway uh, toward uh, the pension trust. Uh, and the final recommendation included uh, implementing a funding plan to reduce our unfinished capital uh, uh, infrastructure and our deferred maintenance needs. Um, again, current policy, one third of our investment over a baseline will be allocated to capital. Uh, and uh, last July of 2022, Council also adopted a fiscal policy uh, related to general fund contributions to street maintenance. So, uh, again, we've uh, had uh, some new policies come forward in the uh, recent uh, fiscal year 23 and 24 budget uh, to help uh, uh, make headway towards uh, this recommendation. So, at this point, uh, with uh, the Staff in the finance department and the city manager's office are continuing to uh, work on our general fund reserve analysis. Uh, we'll bring um, forth that uh, model uh, to the committee and then to council for consideration. Uh, we've been able to maintain our contributions to the trust in both fiscal year 23 and 24, as well as pre-funding the reserves as part of the fiscal year 23 budget. Uh, we'll be utilizing those fiscal policies um, as we uh, finish closing out fiscal year uh, 2023, uh, in particular, looking at our investment returns and if they are over the baseline, uh, allocating uh, the uh, returns uh, to those three categories, the reserves, the trust, and capital. Uh, we have updated our uh, debt man management uh, policy recently. Uh, again, we will uh, continue uh, to update and develop the policies with the committee and council continue to explore uh, funding strategies for liability and infrastructure needs, uh, again, particularly as we close out fiscal year 2023, and more importantly, in the next couple months as we start um, beginning our process for the new fiscal year 25-26 uh, biannual budget. And uh, we do anticipate our next report, uh, both to the committee and then council, uh, to be in May of 2024. Uh, that does uh, conclude my presentation. You know, the uh, city manager, the finance director, and I are all available to answer any questions you may have. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ms. Friedrichsen. Um, I, I think I speak for all of us how grateful we are with the progress that has been made to implement these audit recommendations. Um, um, and just call, call attention to a few things, outstanding policy issues we'll have to discuss at a future point. Um, one, obviously, uh, and I think we, we addressed this uh, in previous budget discussions, trying to develop um, kind of a, a target amount for our um, fund balance for our enterprise funds. I think the Marina Fund was kind of the catalyst for this conversation. And so I know that there's some uh, interdepartmental discussions around that, and that can help inform um, specific targets that we can meet, obviously, which will guide, you know, how much we're going to contribute um, some of that. Because it's an enterprise fund, hopefully it will be met through revenues, self-sustaining revenues. But in the case of the Marina Fund, maybe general fund that picks up a portion of that the time being. On the um, 115 Trust, um, uh, I think um, – my recollection was that um, we're committing the, the savings from the prepayment of CalPERS um, and a portion of um, investment revenue. Um, what does that get us to if we add all that up? Uh, so 
our uh, contribution to CalPERS from uh, the prepayment has roughly been about 1.5 million a year. Uh, we've also uh, starting in fiscal year 22, and we've continued in fiscal year 23 and 24 to include $2 million uh, from the general fund. And then um, our investment amount, uh, well, that's uh, over our baseline will, remains to be determined, but. Okay. Uh, so about three and a half million we've been able to put in. And so we, we set, um, the actuary set a goal of five and a half million. Right. Um, and I think that's one issue we'll need to discuss around um, what is a target that we, like we did with our, our general fund reserve that we want to set so that we can um, not just grow the fund, but have sufficient revenue to address rate fluctuations we know are happening. I mean, I think CalPERS announced that they were, were um, um, they had seen significant losses that they've reported that are going to result in um, rate fluctuations, um, changes to the discount rate that we're going to have to absorb in the next year. So um, uh, with respect to how we use this money, is it, um, uh, I mean, we're not going to use all of it at once to like, but do we, you know, I think that's one thing we need, we'll need to consider is what is a prudent use of it? Um, like how much of it, uh, how, what percentage of it are we going to use so that the fund is not completely depleted and we're able to regenerate more money to be able to address future rate fluctuations? That's another issue to, I think, identify. Um, but I'll note that I think the projected fund balance is noted as $22.2 million, um, uh, and that earns interest, so it's regenerative to some degree. Lastly, I know this is an issue we're all very passionate about, is our infrastructure needs, which are now totaled at $2 billion in unfunded infrastructure costs. That number is going to keep escalating the longer we it takes for us to fix um, our crumbling infrastructure. And I know something we'll be discussing a lot about in the coming months um, leading up to the 2024 election. My, I just want to thank Councilmember Weingraf and Kesawani for your leadership in bringing forward the policy to commit additional revenue so that we can maintain a baseline funding amount. And, and as we'll get into when we talked about the five-year paving plan, that's keep enabling us to be able to keep the payment condition stable and to pave more streets throughout the city of Berkeley. But we know that we need to do a lot more. So um, this, I, I really want to call attention to this last area of, um, I know that there were various proposals around increasing funding for sidewalks and streets the last budget cycle, and we weren't able to incorporate those amounts completely into the budget. We'll certainly talk about in the context of the AAO, but um, I think this is something we're going to have to think about. What what portion do we commit to through general fund as an ongoing allocation, and what do we need to plan for relative to a revenue measure or gas tax or some other revenue source? And I think we're going to have to really think about that how we piece that budget together to get to what we need to be able to address this big, big number. So um, I'll stop there. Councilor Harrison. 
Thank you very much, Ms. Friedrichsen. I really appreciate you adding the capital piece to this. I know the earlier presentation had the, the issue about pensions, and but not so much reflection on capital because we've been talking about it endlessly, but it's good to see it in one place. So thank you for that very much. I did want to ask if in future we could add something on the retiree health uh, liability. That's another fund that I think is even probably in more trouble in some ways than our pension funds because there are obligations we're going to have whether people leave us or not um leave i don't mean they leave the planet i mean they leave the city of berkeley so we have some um, obligations there that we're going to have to really fulfill and it's an ongoing problem we don't have a good mechanism like the 115 trust for that piece for the retiree health and it's just something we have to keep battering battering away at um and um thank you also i know later you're going to be addressing the issue of um ensuring that we have the adequate uh percent for reserves but that also we we have policies that that indicate when we spend those reserves which we effectively did during covid and i want to thank the city manager i think having this reserve policy meant that we got through covid laying off no one and really not cutting services. We did have to move some staff to COVID-related um, issues rather than working on their primary jobs, but we didn't have to cut staff. So when we were through COVID, those people are available to go back to the services they were doing before. So I want to thank all of you for that because this this whole area of the um, reserve fund is what made that possible from my point of view and just general good fiscal management. Um, so I'm and I am also looking forward to this issue of uh, the reserve fund for the capital programs. I'm really interested in the waterfront in particular and what kind of percent we can and set aside there. And I'd like to see all those numbers. I know some of the funds are healthier than others. And just knowing at the budget committee, which funds are where in terms of their status would be really helpful. We, we end up talking about them sometimes periodically. We'll get into something like the workers comp fund, but I would really appreciate the regular report at budget, say quarterly of, you know, here's the fund balance for each of these special funds. So with that, I will stop. Thank you. Council member Humbert. Yes, thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, I, I want to be brief here. It's we've had a long day, um, but I want to profusely shank, uh, thank Sharon Friedrichsen. You know, <laughs> pretty clear. Sharon Friedrichsen and Henry Oyakani and all the staff in the finance and city manager's office uh, offices for their work to tackle these long-term liabilities and keep us abreast here on council. City finances are always complicated, and I you know I went to law school because I'm bad at math. Um, so I really appreciate it. I think Berkeley probably adds a layer or two of complexity. So I appreciate these presentations. I think thanks a big thanks to staff for, for providing us with the important information and for presenting so clearly. Thank you. Thank you very much, Councilmember Hahn. Thank you. I just want to say how proud I am of our city for maintaining reserves through incredibly difficult times. Um, this was one of those crazy things that the council brought to the city was to create reserves. That was something that um, the mayor and I worked on with council member um, uh, Mayo and Worthington. Yeah, I was trying to remember who else was on that. It was one of the first things we did when we were elected. Um, and it was something that I think the city auditor had been asking for for a long time, but the previous council just for whatever reason wouldn't do. So um, I'm incredibly proud to have been part of making this, of actually putting together this 
general reserve, uh, general fund reserve. And I'm even more proud that we've been able to fund it every year. And even in the thinnest of times, in the in the in the middle of the pandemic, even though we were just starting to build this reserve, we still were able to maintain it at you know twelve and a half percent. And it's incredible that we are in a position to build it back. And so even though we you know we're not at thirty percent, I think it's important for us to remember that we just started that little journey in 2017, and. Um, Despite all we've gone through, we're we're halfway there, uh, which which is really quite a um, quite a feat. I want to say the same for the 115 trust. Even in the pandemic years, when we had very very tight budgets, we still felt that our commitment to funding these trusts was so important that we made the contributions that we were able to, and. You know, if if we can get to 62% of our target in eight, seven, eight years, including the pandemic years, I just think it's something we need to acknowledge. It's pretty amazing. I want to thank the city manager. I know she and her staff are the ones who brought the 115 Trust idea to us, and um I think um, we all know that it's a really important mechanism for us to have funds available to meet future liabilities. I do have a question about the 35.5 million target. I'm not remembering, was that just, you know, let's do the best we can and let's try for 35.5 million? Or is that actually the amount that, um, meets our long-term needs? And is that 35.5 million target as we see the potential to achieve it, maybe over the next five years, is that actually a target that should be increased? Uh, Council Member Han, the, the uh, target was just based on if we put 5.5 million in every year, uh, then our target would would equal the 35 million, but I think your a point about uh, uh, looking at that policy and maybe as a percentage instead of a, a dollar amount, uh, it's well taken too. But that was be a simple math to get to the, the 35 million. Okay, then I'm just a little less excited because <laughs> I do think it would be good for us to understand um, what if we made the most out of this trust and and what it can do for us in terms of investing the money we put here more aggressively than we're able to invest uh, city funds um, in other um, held in other ways, and um, you know we have certain there's certain things that these trust funds can be used for and others they cannot. But if we were really going to fund it at a level that allowed us to uh, get to meeting our future obligations, what would that be? Um, I think it would be interesting for us to know what that is. And then maybe we can look at um, setting additional goals. So, um, okay. I'm still excited about it. <laughs> we set goals, and despite these uh, very challenging times, we have not stopped moving towards them, 
neither in the general fund reserve nor in the trust. And I think we should all give ourselves a pat on the back. Thank you. Thank you. Um, are there any other questions or comments? Councilor Weingraf, any questions or comments? No. No, I think everybody um, everybody expressed um, the sentiments that I would have shared. At no point in repeating them. Okay. So, um, great work all around, but more work to do. I guess that's the takeaway. Um, we'll take public comment on item B, the status report on Berkeley's financial condition, pension liabilities, and um, infrastructure need attention. And our city auditor, Jenny Wong, um, good evening. I want to turn the floor over to you and we don't need a time, the auditor. Um, take as much time as you need. Great. Thank you so much. Um, and um, I, I want to first thank the uh, budget manager. Thank you, Sharon, for presenting on the city's progress on these audit recommendations. Uh, I also want to thank the finance um, uh, director. Hi, Henry. Um, and our public works director, um, Liam Garland. The, the city's worked really hard to address these audit recommendations, and I just wanted to say that I'm really happy to see that the city's fiscal policies have been updated, um, especially to help fund Section 115 Trust, as well as the unfunded capital and deferred maintenance needs. As we all know, Measure M has basically maintained our streets at that at-risk level, and without more funding of some kind of um, revenue measure, we won't be able to address this need with money just from the general fund budget, although that additional amount of money um, obviously is um, great. Um, I also just want to make a note that the unfunded capital liabilities is normally not part of the assessment of liabilities um, as part of financial statements. That's something that I've been trying to call attention to outside of Berkeley. Um, not having this is really at the detriment of assessing um, the full liability um, my office, when we conducted this audit, we decided to add that so that there is a more holistic accounting of all of our liabilities. Um, I also just want to call attention to the fact that the debt management policy has been updated. I mean, the, the rate at which these audit recommendations are implemented, I really am just so appreciative of, of that work. Um, and, you know, it now includes this lower threshold for the general obligation bond debt. Um, from 15 to 6, 6% of assessed value. Having these strong fiscal policies really helps our city overall. It helps our credit ratings. It helps the city best address fiscal risks to ensure that we have a stable, financial, healthy city. Um, so again, I just want to thank the budget office, finance, um, public works department, city manager for your work on these efforts. And I look forward to hearing um, and learning more at the next update on the reserve analysis and contributions, as well as the um, enterprise targets that the mayor had stated. So thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, we'll take any additional public comments on um, item B, the state of support on Berkeley's financial condition. Any in-person speakers and any speakers on Zoom who wish to address item D, only item B, the state of support on Berkeley's financial condition, please Raise your hand. Ms. Long. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, Moni's Money Minute. I have a question, a uh, couple of things. When we look at our revenue that was potential but not actually received as of today, 
It's my understanding that we have um, in the finance department a shortage of something like four or five potential collectors of debt and money owing and permits and fees. I'd also like to know the amount of savings that our award-winning auditor, Jenny Wong, has actually outlined. If we were to get all the funding back from overtime, excessive overtime, if we get the money in on the income side of the ledger, would we have less debt in our hands? Yes, that's Econ 101 of sorts, of course. So when I guess I have a question if we could dig deeper into that space where she's made so many recommendations where we can get more income and Moni's Money Minutes, which I used to do with Mayor Tom Bates, which the current mayor probably remembers. There are a number of places where we can bring in more revenue and have less debt. Also, I really appreciate all the work that staff has done in preparing this. And as a member of the CalPERS Retirement Club in two to three years from now, I would like to see it in a healthy state of affairs. So thank you for all your work and do look at the income side and not just the cutting and the debt side. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any other in-person speakers on item B, the status report on Berkeley's financial condition? Seeing none, uh, Ms. Former Councilor Davila, would you like to speak to item B? Thank you. Um, yeah, so I think that the fund balance should be given all the time, like when you're asking for money and, it, and, it's, and it's contributing to a fund. Um, and actually, all the balances in the account should be given to the council more often because actually I don't recall seeing too much of that. Um, and isn't it true that the COVID money that y'all received um, from the feds and whoever else contributed, that contributed to the not laying off city employees during COVID? And um, yeah, our streets are in dire need of repair and specifically Curtis Street in District 2, I know hasn't been paved. It was like probably 16 years when I was in council. So now it's close to 20 years. That's kind of sad and pathetic. And um, revenue potential not received. I didn't I I wasn't here for your presentation, didn't hear any of it, don't know. But that would be <laughs> um a reason to have an accrual basis accounting so that you could see all the potential revenue expenses that could incur or you know liabilities and would be more transparent if you had accrual process of accounting um, and um, hope you all had a nice Indigenous Peoples Day and it makes me kind of sick that there's UC Berkeley, the banks all didn't acknowledge those that holiday as a holiday and that's that should be changed. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I don't see any other speakers with their hands raised to address item B. Colleagues, any additional questions or comments? If not, we can um, close discussion of this item. And thank you, Ms. Friedrichsen and Director Oikonmi, the city manager. I think 
this idea about the one feeding trust came from our finance director. So thank you for thinking outside the box and helping us find solutions. We really appreciate it. Um, okay, um, is there any public comment from anyone who did not previously speak during the initial public comment period to an item not on the agenda? Yes. A public service announcement to my community members who live in Berkeley or don't, but Berkeley has a rise in COVID cases. We continue to have illness and cases of death safety first. We just had three new city employees reported today as COVID positive. The other day we had a couple and prior to that, we had a few more. There are ongoing cases of COVID. So I'm just here to encourage everyone to get their COVID vaccine. I plan to do so this Wednesday at Kaiser. Stay safe and protect our vulnerable ones. Thank you. Thank you very much. Are there any other public comments for anyone who did not previously speak to an item on the agenda from anyone here in the room? Seeing none, uh, former Councilor Davila, turn it over to you. Um, yeah, so yeah, COVID is rising. I don't see people wearing masks and um, that's that's a problem. Um, and also, I, I um, don't think masks were given out during the smoke um, incidents a few weeks ago. And that's something that, you know, the city could easily do um, and should do. And, um, yeah, and then I wanted to talk about Palestine. Uh, Palestine... Um, Palestinians have been living under an occupation since 1948. And um, we need to uh, understand that they're living in an apartheid state. Um, Palestinians have been shot, killed, maimed, murdered, uh, raped probably too, and all these things. They don't have food. They don't have water on a regular basis. Before this last this last incident happening on Saturday, um, electricity is denied. All these things. It is an apartheid state. Berkeley de declared um, South Africa as an apartheid once, and you know now is the time to make some changes. In the world, it seems like we're headed towards World War Three, you know. Um, and you know, free Palestine and the occupation and Israel apartheid, and we should all be banding together to save humanity. Uh, and thank you. That completes public comment on non-agenda matters. I'll make a motion to adjourn. Second. Okay, let's please call the roll on adjournment. Councilmember Kesarwani? Uh, yes. Kaplan? Yes. Bartlett? Yes. Harrison? Yes. Hahn? Yes. Wengraff? She's, she left. Okay, Robinson? Yes. Humbert? Yes. And Mayor Aragin? Yes. Okay. Okay, we're adjourned. Thank you. <laughs>